Hello and welcome to Presenting, a podcast where we chat about various topics related to role-playing games, typically Paizo products such as Pathfinder and Starfinder, but also others. I'm John Godick. With me today is Shan Wolf. Welcome to the podcast. Woo, what's going on? How's it going, John? It's going well. It's going well. Thanks so much for doing this, man. Yeah. So Shan is a freelance game designer and author. He has authored works for Pathfinder 2nd Edition and Starfinder, and is especially interested in Black and Indigenous representation, monster and archetype creation, history and lore, and writing revolutionary or inherently anti-colonialist themes. His credits include Starfinder Bounty Number 4, The Poacher's Prize, The Adventure Toolbox for Drift Hackers AP Number 1, The Ports of Call Starfinder Hardcover, The Adventure's Toolbox for Strength of Thousands AP Book Number 2, and the upcoming High Helm Lost Omen Sourcebook due out in June of 2023. I didn't even know it was coming out until I <laughs> looked up your information. Yeah, it's right. Oh, I am so hyped for that book. Oh, you have no idea. Yeah, I'm, I'm a huge. I'm oh, God. All right. <laughs> I don't oh, want to no, interrupt what? your questions, but my brain is like, oh, my oh. God, I can't wait. Well, you know what? We're going to get into that, and, and we might as well get into that right now. So right. I know you can't go into any specifics, mm-hmm. but what does the Lost Omens Heimhelm, High Helm book go into? I have some guesses um, just because the helm word in there, but. So a lot of uh, a lot of what I have in my brain, I'm taking from sort of the marketing copy. So take that as you will. Oh, that's right. what you're supposed to do, right? You're supposed to take well, it from the working. Yeah, I'm not, you know, I'm not, you know, I don't, uh, honestly, the only spoilers I have are my sections, so I can't even, like, drop any spoilers because somebody will be immediately like, that was in Shan's section, Shan gave that away, so I'm not doing that. But, no, uh, <laughs> not asking for that. What's the book but, about? Um, honestly, what it seems like it's about to me is... The fact that High Helm is a huge populous city for dwarves, and it's giving a lot of information that in second edition, uh, we don't we don't have a ton of information about dwarves, like at all. Mm. Um, like we we are basically bringing a lot of our information in from one uh, e. Or we're bringing right. it in from D and D, or bringing it in from elsewhere. But ultimately, we don't. We do not have a lot of information about the daily life of dwarves who are who specifically are like under the mountain, mm-hmm. that that sort of thing. Um, and based on my reading so far of like the marketing copy and that stuff, is that this is going to give you like a good picture of dwarven life. And that that you can extrapolate for backgrounds. Uh, I, I mean, I'm pretty sure. Uh, I don't think it's a spoiler to say there's going to be feats in the book, uh, but right. like there's going to be various things, um, new takes on just dwarven ideas and how to make mm-hmm. how to make your dwarf as cool as possible. Nice. Um, nice. Yeah. So I I literally can't wait. There's a bunch of cool stuff that. When I get my hands on that book, I'm pretty much going to like lock myself in a room and just read it, read it, read it, read it, because I love dwarves. Like, they're dope. So, yeah. Nice. Yeah. You know, it's interesting looking at a lot of their the source books that they're doing. It's pulling a lot of stuff that we had in first edition 
and mm-hmm. trying to, you know, kind of bring it in. Maybe if there's some problematic things, get rid of it and do a little updating. But still, they, there's such a rich lore that Pathfinder has, you know, and it's great that they're, you know, bringing it all forward rather than saying, oh, yeah, uh, no, no, that was first edition. We don't do that now. It's like, no, this is this is how we talk about it. And I've been yeah. fortunate to have worked on or some things that I can't talk about now that does something similar. <laughs> Yeah, I kind of know how their process works. So, awesome, awesome. So, Shan, oh, Oh, go ahead. Oh no, I was gonna say like, I will definitely say that it was probably the fastest assignment I ever completed. (laughs) Uh, because I was given my assignment. And I was like, yes, I want every part of it. And I just started flying. Like the writing just kept going. So I was really into it. So I hope that I hope that enthusiasm comes through. And um, you know, it it gets people hyped for the book and people are genuinely like, wow, this came through really, you know, this came through really cool. Um, you know. No, I I'm I'm looking forward. I <laughs> I've been mostly a Starfinder guy, but uh, I I get all the Pathfinder books, and I've been working on some Pathfinder projects. So it's uh, I look forward to seeing all the cool stuff <laughs> that's yeah. coming and sharing some of the cool stuff that has, I can't even talk about because the books haven't even been announced. I know <laughs> that's the worst. It is the worst. Uh, like, when are they going to announce I, these things? Yeah. Oh, sometime after Gen Con. What? That's like way down the road. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, so I was really excited that this was a June announcement. Something. Oh, they're getting closer to when they'll announce. Uh, you know, I have three projects. When they'll announce my three projects. So. Yep. All right. So, so Shannon, can can you talk a little bit about your journey to becoming a freelance author and game designer in the first place? Um, I've always kind of dabbled in game design. Uh, we're talking way back in the. I mean, I started. Put it like this, I started with, I think, second edition D&D because I think that was the version that was out when I was around age to start gaming. We started, I started with some high school friends of mine, and it's been basically my driving hobby since that point, right? Like... I, you know, I was real big into the White Wolf oeuvre, like Mm -hmm. all of their stuff, like I consumed all of it. And for me, I felt that that gave me a good basis of here's how you write rules. Here's how you write monsters. Here's how, you know, here's the line of being an edgelord and hey, here's not how, here's how not to cross it. Like being able to have horror or scary stuff in in a game or in a setting without it going over into I'm trying to think of a good word, but maybe like inappropriate would be a good, you know, inappropriate for your themes and knowing how to track sort of what the theme of your given work is and then focusing hard on it. Um, after that, um, cause I, I'd done like a bunch of, uh, playtest stuff like i playtested exalted third edition uh i playtested a bunch of like major the ascension books um you know just again like sort of within the white wolf oeuvre 
I know a lot of people within that environment who who were like, "Hey, I need a play tester. You coming?" And I was like, "Yeah, I got. Yeah, heck yeah, I'm play testing." Um. So then, after all that, um, I saw a, an open call one day. Somebody was like, "Hey, Shan, it's an, there's an open call for Pathfinder writers," and I was like, "You know what? Sure, let's see what happens." And uh, yeah, I got I I uh, I think I'm trying to remember exactly who it was who put out the open call, and my brain is failing me. Um, one sec, because it wasn't Jason Pullman. Um, one sec. What was the project that you ended up? Working on from that. My, the first project I ended up working on was book two of um, Strength of Thousands. Uh, was it uh, Luis? No, was it was not Luis in this case. Um, okay. Because I thought Luis was one of the ones that was, was uh, doing the call for that. No, oh. and. I saw, I, I know uh, uh, Jake Tondra also posted about an open call for that as well. Yeah. No, it, it wasn't Jake Tondra in this case. And my, I don't, oh my God. Like <laughs> I know his name. It, it is literally on the tip of my tongue and uh, I can't, he, uh, he's going to be so mad at me. It's fine. Um, okay. That's but anyway, okay. I responded to, I responded <laughs> to an open call yeah. and uh, like I, you know, I gave my experience. I said like, you know, these are the areas that I've worked in before, you know, this is the type of work I like to do. You know, I have extensive experience in the 3.5 at the time, especially I had a lot of experience in 3.5 and forcing 3.5 to actually work for me. So like once I got it sort of banged into shape, you know, they, they happened to like what I was putting down and said, okay, well, like, we'll, we'll get you started on an assignment. And I said, cool, like, let's go. Um, and it, it's just been bang on ever since. Like, I've just been, you know, working on different stuff, you know, making sure to contribute, working with different authors and trying to be the best I can be. Now, I'm, I'm curious now. I know my own experience. I've talked to other other freelancers as well. So, yeah. do you regularly contact developers and say, "Hey, I'm looking for work," or have they just said, "Hey, we want Shan," and they just constantly call you? Well, what happens is, I mean, as per the normal freelance structure, I send in okay um, my availability stuff. Yeah. And, you know, no, they're not banging down my door exactly. I'm not, you know, I don't want to pretend that that's the case. Although, you know, I wish it was. But, um, but uh, you know, they, you know, when they have work, they say, hey, like, I, what are you thinking? And I'm like, yeah, I'll take that book. Yeah, I'll do that. Because that sounds dope. That sounds really fun. Um, I would definitely say, like, Jessica Catalan was one of the ones who reached out to me. Um, I think I think they were the most recent person who reached out to me for mm -hmm. books. And no, no, because they were before. To a, yeah, yeah, yeah. But Jessica like helped, like blew my mind open by being like, "Well, here's a bounty." Mm -hmm. um here's the information gave it to me nice and clear just perfect like 
bang on. Just here's what you need to do. Here's what you need to do. Here's what you need to do. And I was like, yes, like this. It felt so good um, because a lot of people, especially because the devs are so busy, they'll say like, okay, we don't have we don't have space to develop writers. Like you have to sort of know what you're doing going in. And I felt like Jessica was like, nope, <laughs> nope, we're, we're going to we're going to teach you how to do this. And I was like, yay, <laughs> I felt really good about that. Yeah, um, I like I like Jessica quite a bit, um, yeah. you know, in terms of, you know, working with her as a dev and everything. So she, yeah, she gives great good feedback, good guidance and stuff. Yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. exactly. Very good feedback. Very good guidance. Helped me figure out exactly what I needed to do. Um so that was really cool because the monster creation stuff and all that yeah. is very different from here's an entire here's an entire sandbox. Mm-hmm. And even if that adventure is only an hour or two long, or like scenarios are like four hours long, I think. Right. Uh you have to fill that up. <laughs> and so you have to be careful about like, okay, well, what am I putting in here? Um, you know, what, you know, is it going to jive with what the story is for the scenario? Is it going to, you know, that sort of thing. And I'm actually super interested in doing more scenario work primarily Mm -hmm. because, well, it looks fun. I just, I don't have the same level of experience with like Pathfinder Society or Starfinder Society that other, other people do. So yeah. yeah, I was going to ask you that. I was going to ask you if you do much organized play. So, honestly, I, me, and organized play tend to bounce off of one another primarily because I like to rewrite scenarios. Oh, right. right so, right. and when you are in a scenario, when you're in a situation where you know you're trying to do the scenario straight up, from what I've from what I've been advised, there's a lot of wiggle room. Like you can you can mess with it a little bit. But you're supposed to really be going from sort of start to finish on what the scenario is. Uh, my games tend to be a little more freeform. I tend to do a lot of house ruling and a lot of monster creation on the fly because my brain goes, oh, well, they don't have zombies at 12th level. Well, I want a 12th level zombie. And then I figure out how to build a 12th level zombie in about five seconds while my players are like, yeah. okay, so, you know, what's the, okay, I rolled a, you know, I rolled a knowledge check to figure out what this monster can do. Uh, what can it do? And I'm like, crap, 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 you know, and then I come up with something. Um, so I would definitely say like my monster creation game has gotten a lot stronger. God, <laughs> and it's had to, it's just had to. Because I run, I'm currently in, yeah, I'm currently in four Pathfinder games right now. Wow. Wow. That's a lot of Pathfinder. (laughs) I'm playing a lot of Pathfinder. And so, and two of the, um, three of those I'm running? No. Yeah. Three of those I'm running. And then there's one being run by a friend and... And I, but I am the like Pathfinder expert, so I'm helping them, like, you know, bring up rules on the fly. No, no, two of them. Yeah, two of them I'm running. One of them I'm the like expert, and then one of them's just like a cool game where we're just chilling out and we can all sort of be 
evil gremlins and the GM has to deal <laughs> with our nonsense. So, uh, where, where do you live? What, what, which area? I, I know you're East Coast. Oh, but I, I am currently in Michigan. Oh, um, okay. Yeah. So um, East Coast time, but not, not on the East yeah, Coast. Yeah. Yeah. Um, which part? I, uh, I am Southern Michigan by Detroit. Not like oh. in Detroit. Like a, right. a bunch of people will be like, "Oh, you're so, in Detroit." I'm not in Detroit. Right. And it's. Yeah. I, went, um, I, I went to that school that's really close by there, and I'm a big fan. Umich. Yeah, I went to Umich. I graduated. Oh, okay. Yeah. yeah um, so. I used to work there for now. Oh, um, I, <laughs> I might. Uh, um, but yeah, like it. Honestly, it's a great. Um, I like this area quite a bit. Uh, I mean, I'm from New York, and that's where I mostly lay my head. Uh, like when I, you know, when I can, I try to get back there. But um, nah, I like this area. It's pretty nice. Um, I was just kind of curious about um, mm-hmm. in-person gaming. That so it's pretty prevalent there. You said you're in four groups, so. Oh no! Honestly, most of my groups are online because oh, I'm one okay. of those people. I'm yeah. one of those people who is very COVID averse, and yes. I have yeah. I have stuff going on that, yeah, I can't really risk like too much, you know, too much COVID. So, um, one of my games, well, one of my games is me and my roommates. So that it that one is in person. Uh, mm-hmm. But the other three are online. I've got players from Texas, uh, players from, I think one of them's in Missouri. Um, I think in my other one, there's players from South Carolina. Like, I like bringing people together in this hobby. Mm-hmm. And, mm-hmm. like, it, this is going to sound like I'm bootlicking a little bit, and I apologize, but, like... <laughs> Starfinder, uh, Pathfinder and Starfinder are the type of games that, frankly, people want to play. Um, I'm trying to get some people to try out uh, Exalted and Savage Worlds because mm-hmm. Exalted is like my favorite RPG of all time, hands down. Like I will fight people who say bad things about it. But like, even though I am very highly critical of the actual creators of exalt like the 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 company around exalted i'm very highly critical of them but the game itself is was like i can be super anime yes i want to play this anyway uh, (laughs) oh yeah i was just kind of wondering you know uh in terms of i'm kind of curious what play is like in different areas i'm i'm in the seattle area so there's a lot Hmm. of a lot of gaming out here oh yeah um, i i have a similar situation where I had a transplant during the pandemic, so I no. kind of you know you know you know compromised yeah. here. But I've three of my groups are actually in person with a lot of the same people, and we're all just all of us have like concerns, so we're yeah. all just trying to be super careful and lots of lots of testing and lots of oh, I can't make it because I think I might have something kind of stuff. So yeah, I, I'll be your, glad. Your pod. <laughs> it gets back to no- exactly you know i we we have this big bubble and there's about eight of us all together and we kind of mix and match and and play and we have one person that doesn't want to doesn't feel comfortable playing in person so we have an online game with them so it kind of yeah. it all kind of works and that's out. really cool and like that yeah. the only particular reason i think a lot of my games are online is because 
Um, one, I don't, because I don't Pathfinder Society. Right. Really, um, I don't, you know, I don't have the same drive to go out and be like, hey, you know, y'all, are y'all running Pathfinder Society tables? Do y'all need a venture captain? Blah, 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 you know. Uh, so that's number one. And number two, I have players who are so far flung that like who were who at least at one point were saying like, dude, I need a table. Like I, I need to like, I, you know, it's been so long since I've played and we're playing D&D and it's fun. But, you know, I want to play something else. And I'm like, cool. You want to play Pathfinder? And they're like, yes. And I'm like, let's go. And then, you know. I, I addict them to Pathfinder 2E because they're all because they're like, how does that ability work? That ability is so cool. And I'm like, yeah, you can read about it in this book or on the archives of Nethys. Pluggity, pluggity, plug, I guess. <laughs> so you mentioned that you're the, the Pathfinder uh, second edition expert in, in your groups and things. Expert. Um, and, well, and you've written both for Pathfinder now, Starfinder as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What are some of the differences that you find, you know, writing from one system to the other? And what are the challenges that you face personally switching back and forth? Um, I would say that for Pathfinder. Oh, I would say like the major difference between the two systems is understanding that Starfinder is basically a 3.5 riff. Mm-hmm. And while the same argument can be leveled at Path, uh, yeah, Starfinder is more of like a, yeah, Star, sorry, I want to make sure I'm speaking correctly. Starfinder feels to me like a 3.5 riff that's mm-hmm. got a little, got a little jazz on it, you know, it got a little, got a little, got a little goodness on it that makes it a little bit better than your standard 3.5 stuff. Whereas Pathfinder 2E feels, at least in my head, like a complete revolution on the ideas that made 3.5 fun mm-hmm. with a little bit of like a sprinkle of 5Es like, okay, we're going to we're going to we're going to limit some of these numbers so they don't feel so big, you know, mm-hmm. so I'm not swinging with a plus 40. Well, all right. With a right, plus right, 40 right. the same way you would, yeah. you know. Back in, uh, yeah. And so, sort of the way I think about it is, I feel that Pathfinder 2E is mechanically tighter in terms of, in terms of, like, these rules have been given a certain amount of, you know, but because a lot of the numbers have been shaved, that you know, you know when they say in Pathfinder uh, 2E that that plus one counts, like mm-hmm. that plus one is very important. Right. I find that right. to be less important in Starfinder, but Starfinder gives me spaceships and mechs, dude. Like, what yeah. is that even? <laughs> like, they, like that almost doesn't feel like a contest. Like, it's yeah. just, like it's almost not fair. I get spaceships and mechs, although. To be honest, and I will crow this until the cows come home, I need more Starfinder games because I don't, I, I'm not, I mean, the, the answer is until I get a level 1 to 20 campaign run for me, I'm going to always say I've never played enough Starfinder. 
So (laughs) until, you know, so I've got to, you know, I I want a lot more Starfinder in order to really feel as secure as possible when I'm writing books for it and when I'm writing story for it, Uh, because it can feel very, very different than Mm -hmm. Pathfinder can. Um, So, no, I, 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 I think your characterization seems to be spot on in my, my take as well. And I'm, I'm in the opposite boat where I've done lots and lots of Starfinder and I've done lots and lots of D and D, you know, third edition in particular and Mm -hmm. um, 3.5, some Pathfinder second edition is something I'm still wrapping my head around. Mm -hmm. And I, and I'm also playing five E and when I'm, when I'm looking at those two compared to Starfinder, yeah. One of the things is, you know, why are all the DCs and ACs and everything so low? Yep. <laughs> yep. You know, it's like, what's that going was, on there? Oh, that tripped me up during one of my assignments for a thing where, you know, I was writing. I was like, oh, this DC should be this. And I was like, wait a minute. And then I checked archives and was like, that's not how DCs work in Starfinder. Okay. I need to completely rewrite my assumptions because yeah. you're not going to. You know, that, that DC of 30 or DC of 40 at, you know, let's say 8th level, let's say between 6th and 8th level in Pathfinder 2E, that's going to be a risky throw. Like, oh, yeah. that's we're talking really at yeah. least, we're talking at least like a 10 or higher. Well, yeah. no, we're talking probably at least a 15 or higher with Pathfinder. But for Starfinder, like, they can hit that easily because their skills yeah. are so high in comparison. Yeah. So it's um, it can it can knock you for a loop. It can knock you for a real loop. Also, the names of the skills. Oh my god! Like, <laughs> and like I love it, but it's like this skill should be this, and it's like okay, but it's not <laughs> because this one is an old. You know, this one reference is referencing stuff that was like in three point five and uses right. still a lot of that three point five language. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. which drives my brain nuts because I'm trying to remember like, Oh, how do I reference DCs? How do I reference sense motive? How do I reference this? And it's like, Oh no, this is different stuff between the two. And you just got to keep an eye on it. Check, mm-hmm. you know, I always check, you know, check archives or check your books. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, as, as you can kind of see back there, I have a pretty full library of books to go through so just you know sit down reference them make sure you know your stuff and yeah uh insofar as the challenges like the specific challenges yeah i just not having the exact same grip on the system in the way that i have for pathfinder 2e like Pathfinder 2E, you could be like, hey, what's this? And I might have to look it up, but I'll I'll have a good idea and I can reference like, oh, it's probably this. Let me confirm its exact wording. You know, right. you give me like a spell and I'd be like, eh, it probably does this. Let me let me just make sure of what it does. Or, you know, or if you know, if my players can get out of it, or you know, what do they have to roll to, <laughs> to you know, mm-hmm. that sort of thing. Like what kind of saves do they have to roll, et cetera? No, no, I I hear you on that. I hear you on that. So, um, you know, Paizo has been working a lot harder to be cognizant of representation Mm -hmm. in, you know, all their projects now. 
Um, and Strengths of Thousands is a prime example. You know, they got a lot of uh, black authors to to work on that. It was kind of something mm. they really, really focused on. Um, how do you think that they're doing now? And what do you think they could be doing better? Have you thought about uh, the work they're doing? I know other companies have run into some big issues. I mean, uh, 5E's ran into a really big issue with, with Spelljammer and stuff. Uh, but I think Paizo is trying to make some good inroads. But w- what's your thinking yeah. on that? Um, besides me yelling species is not a better term than race, mm. knock it the hell off, which is my default response when people ask like, Hey, what is, what is like five E what are five E doing wrong? <laughs> species is not a better term than race. Anyway. Um, but specifically for like Paizo as a company, honestly, I think they're trying their best. Um, I think that their leadership is at least from my view a little a little stuck in the past in terms of what they expect gamers to want hmm. um you know like they didn't have the orc issue right <laughs> the big orc you know the big orc mm-hmm. issue but the but the reality is is that I think a lot of gamers are absolutely sick of any races or well I shouldn't any ancestries any any monsters that are one hundred percent evil right mm-hmm. like you do not a lot of people these days are like no why can't I be friends with the kobolds like why can't i be friends with the goblins why can't i be friends with the orcs why can't you know and i think that as more and more people who are frankly like elder millennially types hmm. are starting to get into seats of power and when i say power i mean like devs or creative director or you know things like that we're going to see a lot of that change and we're going to see a lot of we're going to see a lot more diversity but not it's going to be diversity in terms of here here are the different ways you can engage with the world there is no one way like Mm -hmm. there is no one way to approach the orcs in you know uh, you know, north of Last Wall, because mm-hmm. you might meet one tribe that are completely psychotic and warlike, but you might meet another tribe that's totally like, no, dude, we're all not, we're all like chaotic good. Why would we not be? Or maybe there's a clutch of them that are like nature preservists and want to, um, and want to protect, you know, and grow and nurture, you know. That is what I think people want these days, right? I think as tabletop RPGs are changing, we are, at least my hopes, is that we are leaving behind the old stereotypes, the old, you know, this monster does this, and they always do that. And there is no example within that, ancestry within that group that is different than that we're we're sick of it like we got to be done we like i mean i'm a 41 year old man like i've hit the point where my brain has started to calcify and i'm fine with that because (laughs) 
I'm way old. I'm way older than you, man. <laughs> no, but no, but the, the reason I the reason I say yeah. that is yeah, because yeah. like I am set in my tabletop RPG ways in yeah. in certain respects. But yeah. what I'm seeing a lot of these people bring to the table, like, huh? Yeah, why is it that orcs are always the bad guys? Why is it why why is it that gnolls are always the bad guys? You know, why you know, why are we creating these societies that are set up to just be targets? And especially as we get into more stuff that has to do with because in my opinion everything is political, right? Everything. You, you cannot have ideas that are not informed by bias. Even if that bias is, I don't want to take a political stance, that is a political stance, right? So if you are in a situation where your ideology sets up a specific entire ancestry of people Hmm. Mm -hmm. as those things are completely bad, you run into some major issues. Because you are making what is a political choice within your game, right? You are saying my political stance in this is that this particular group is awful and can be exterminated. That is where I run into a lot of issues. Um, But do I think that, you know, Paizo as a company are trying to pull out of any sort of 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 that nosedive and actually trying to course correct? Absolutely. I mean, like, I put it like this. When I see the work that Luis is doing, when I see the work that Eleanor is doing, when I see the work that Jessica is doing, when I see the work that Shay is doing, when I see the work that all of these amazing, you know, developers and editors and, like, like Avi is like my favorite person on the goddamn earth. And like, you can tell them I said that cause I don't give a shit. Like I love them. They're great. And they're bringing their real skill in order to make Galerion and, you know, the greater like Starfinder system, you know, the packed worlds actually feel good and actually feel like, no, this is lived in. This is how, or this is how the world really is, and they're injecting just enough of that with the fantastical elements to make it feel fun and to give players, I think, a much richer and deeper experience. And then a lot of them get pushed back because they, there's people who are like, well, I just want to, you know, genocide every skittermander. And it's like, why? Why? The skittermanders, they're wonderful. I want like 200 plushies. Don't, you know, don't. No, these things are wonderful. And, you know, just because you as a player have a problem with cuteness, which is a thing that occasionally comes up, like, no, like these things are great. And if you want to say that there is a group of them that are really, really bad, you know, cool. That is actually a great story, is that a group of these Skittermanders have now decided that they are going to, you know, maybe attack the Viscarium. You know, they're <laughs> they're going to, you know, a Skittermander terrorist yeah. cell who are just, yeah. and like, 
I I probably shouldn't have given that idea out because I really want somebody to write that and nobody from Pies is going to take that idea now. But that sounds freaking dope. As like there's, a, there's it's like actually, an AP. There's actually a scenario that's kind of related with that. Mm-hmm. But the terrorist cell is they they everything that happened bad happens. They were actually trying to do something good and it just mm-hmm. kind of went wrong. And so now they think they're terrorists. So. <laughs> oh yeah. See, and that that to me is also a good way yeah. a good way to do that because it makes you question like your assumptions about what's going on. Right. Like, okay, wait, yeah. what is actually happening in this scenario? Oh well, mm. you know, this I'm gonna use Skittermanders because I freaking love Skittermanders. Um, the Skittermanders are, you know, doing this thing. And, you know, somebody, somebody from the Viscarium, you know, maybe they got a new commander or whatever to, you know, who's the overlord of the Skittermander world. And the Skittermander were like, no, we're sick of this. Like, we were, we are more than willing to help. We're more than willing to, like, give of our resources. We want to share. But this person is a bad person and we need to stop them. And then playing an entire like I would actually make it AP length to be like, Oh, (laughs) like in this AP, you are fighting back, you know, as what is essentially terrorist against the Viscarium to get rid of this, you know, to get rid of this overlord because he's a monster. That is good storytelling. That is fun. And it shows the Skittermanders are more than just a joke race, you know, or a joke ancestry. It's, really cool if if they play with stories like that and if they give deep rich you know narratives on the pathfinder side like this is kind of a trope i guess but uh going after uh cheliax mm-hmm. which cheliax is known as like a slave keeping race and or a slave keeping society and they're bad and you know but no, go after Cheliax. Go after Cheliax all day. That's great. Do that. That you know. But make there be like, or have there be like, hey, our characters are playing freedom fighters who want to liberate Cheliax, not just, or that you know, make that be an in-play option. Right. So like right. something like Hell's Rebels, mm-hmm. kind of. Um. But you allow it to play out to its natural conclusion of like, no, they, no, they, they took down Cheliax. Like, Cheliax, you know, in the context of SAP has been defeated. Right. That's a really good story. And it's really, and it empowers liberation, which I think is an idea that maybe some of the more, some of the folks within like the Paizo structure can occasionally think more about the tradition of, you know, like the internal consistency of Galerion or the internal consistency of the pack worlds of the Viscarium rather than thinking of, Hey, what kind of liberative stories can we tell? You know, um, I would love more APs about pathfinders giving back like uh there was a cartoon 
Oh, it was it was Carmen San Diego, but it was like a weird <laughs> flip on the it okay. was a flip on the premise of like she was stealing things, but she was stealing things that were like from museums and she was like mm-hmm. going and giving them back to the people. Like ah, going okay. and giving you know, so right, she right, would right. steal like some Inca artifact and then take it back to like Inca representatives who could then do what they wanted, who could then like, you know, either put it in their museums or, you know, or, you know, put it back in the shrine it belonged to, or, you know, whatever. That, oh, that that sort of stuff, I'm a sucker for. Like, mm-hmm. you write that into your APs, you write that into your into your scenarios, you write that into your bounties, put that in my veins. Like, that might be enough to make me, like, be like, mm, maybe some society play will be a good idea, because this is, you know, so... Yeah. Well, you know, there are I could some talk broad, about this forever. <laughs> there are some pretty broad story arcs in society that might encompass some of those things. So, yeah, you know, definitely. you should keep an eye out. You never know. You might you might find something you like. Well, I know I know that a couple people have been uh, announced into society that I am super excited to see what they bring to the table. Uh, Shea Snow specifically, yeah. I am very excited to see what they bring to the table. Yep. Because they they know their stuff and they are as passionate as I am in some respects about getting like liberative and liberation stories out and onto the page and having players play through them. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know. And then okay. if you want to do like, you know, if you want to do like you know, X amount of scenarios about liberation and then, you know, one or two that are about like, no, this is, you can play the bad guys. I know you can't play evil in Pathfinder Society, but, right. you know, as specials or whatever they call them to to be like, no, we resist the, the good guys. That would actually be kind of interesting from a certain perspective, and maybe some people would be into that. Uh, I don't know if that'd be a game I'd play, but I'm not the only person in tabletop, so I don't want, you know, So so. what advice do you have for people interested in getting started into freelance writing like you have? I mean, a lot of people's sort of default advice is, you know, always be writing and always try to write stuff and always try to read, read everything. If, if you, if you're only, if the only RPG you've ever played is Pathfinder, you're, you're doing it wrong. If the only RPG you've ever played is under the D, if the only RPGs I should say you've ever played are under the D twenty oeuvre, you're mm-hmm. doing it wrong. Like, I mean, a lot of people will say like, "Oh, that's okay, like that's good experience." No, no, you need to branch out. You need to try Savage Worlds. You need to try, you know, Besom. You need to try, you know, uh, the World of Darkness because you need to see what all of these different things bring to the table, and. Mm-hmm. All of that stuff enhances your writing, all of it. And so a lot of people will say like, oh, you know, just, you know, pick a pick a groove and sort of fall into that groove with writing. And I'm like, nah, that's never personally, that's never worked for me. What works for me is having a very broad, um, a very broad understanding of what makes what work in terms of like horror settings or, you know action or comedy or whatever and then work that into your writing but that requires reading 
that requires people to actually sit down and read different RPGs, read different books, read, you know, read books outside your culture. Don't don't assume that you reading a book from outside your culture makes you an expert on that culture, but read them anyway. <laughs> um, you know, read things that are challenging, read things that are upsetting. You know, figure out figure out what about those things is challenging or upsetting to you and investigate those feelings because that is where the good writing you have inside you will come out. So, yeah. Cool. So what's next for Shan? What kind of cool things are you working on that you can actually discuss? Uh, I am currently, I'm working on some stuff for the Valor system. Um, they just had a Kickstarter. Uh, so if you check under Valor uh, for Kickstarter or Valor RPG, uh, you will find fantastic work and great people to work with. Um, so we're working on some stuff with them. I am forever in development on my... Uh, I'm writing a mecha RPG called mm-hmm. Iron Stars Burning Hearts. That is... I believe the word is doujinshi? In Japanese, it's like girls anime, like because it's all because girls anime, I think it's like all about like love and romance and relationships. It's that, but with Mecca. <laughs> okay. And then I'm writing a setting for Pathfinder 2E uh, that is going to reference a lot of the like almost like game show style mechanics in terms of if you think of um x crawl if you remember that far back in the 3.5 days hmm. remember that one okay well x crawl basically literalized the dungeons as cash and prizes uh, okay. you know you, you know mm-hmm. your your characters were it was it was a modern day game well modern day ish but it had like all of the monsters from like the the D world had survived into into modernity and a lot of them would get jobs at like working for dungeons where they would you know basically you know your mom and pop would you know compete to get cash and prizes by fighting monsters you know and uh it was actually really cool i'm a huge fan of like uh smash tv and the running man and things like that so it was like that but as a D supplement and i was thinking something along those lines but more fantasy based like something that was more like in a fantasy actual world so hmm. yeah very cool very cool well shan it's been great getting a chance to to meet you and get to know you a little bit better and and thanks so much for joining us on the podcast today thank you for having me this was a blast i was real nervous and now i'm like <laughs> Woo, this is great so <laughs>